from God's holy word. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to First uh, Peter, if you will. First Peter. We're going to ultimately end up in uh, chapter two, but I want to show you something because we've been talking the last few weeks about Christian lives, Christian behavior. Grace versus works, uh, living a holy and pleasing life, uh, offering our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. So we'll talk about some of those things and what the expectations are. And Peter, if you remember in Second Peter, he says, I'm going to continue to remind you. I'm going to continue to remind you of who you are and who Jesus is and how you should behave and how you should walk, how you should pray, how you should whatever it may be to serve the Lord. If you look at his first first letter here, in the very very first verse of First Peter chapter one, I'm gonna I want you to, I want to point something out to you before I get there because when I was reading the context and I always go back and read the context before I get to the area that I'm led to do the sermon, this stuck out to me. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. In uh, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood, may God, uh, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. What I want you to notice, and again, words are important, I always say that, but in verse 2 it says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Just prior to that, it says, I'm speaking to those who have been dispersed. See, they're out of their home country. They, they've been cast out for a variety of reasons at this point in time in history. And it says, God foreknew that. So as you think about November 3rd, as you think about the elections, you think about your life, always keep in mind that God is transcendent, God is sovereign, God is in control, and that he foreknew everything that has happened is going to happen, and nothing catches him by surprise. My fear, Christian, is that too many Christians who live in a, what I call a uh, charismatic lifestyle, and there's nothing wrong with that, there's nothing wrong with the word, but I've seen too many people who have uh, 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 proselytized God in a way that, oh, things are going well in my life, I got a new airplane, I got a new car, I got a new truck, I got a new wife, I got a new this, I got a new that, or things are going well in my job, and then and then they praise God, and they're all about God, and they're all about prayer, and they're all about doing these spiritual things, and then when something bad comes along, all of a sudden they're not the Christian we thought they were. Be careful of that, because Christianity is not a walk of life without problems. And it was said a few minutes ago, it takes courage, it takes strength, it takes steadfastness, it takes a faith, and we're going to talk about faith in a minute, to walk the Christian life. It takes faith through the good and the bad, just like a marriage, uh, till death do us part, you know. Uh, we choose to love people when we choose to love Jesus. It's a choice that we make. And I want you to not fear that as much as we talk about Peter and behavior, if you focus too much on trying to be joyful all the time, and again, nothing wrong with that, but trying to do all the right things, but you never have the true joy 
of knowing the salvation that has been given to you in your heart, then it's hard to really live the life. Because Jesus is life. Don't get down about Jesus when your life takes a turn. Turn to Jesus. Turn to him, not from him. Jesus is always there. When we don't feel connected to Jesus, it's not his fault. It's our fault. Invite him into your life. Invite him into your circumstances. Turn to him. And you may not hear from him, at least in an audible voice, but you know he's with you. He is transcendent. He is sovereign. He foreknew you in your mother's womb. He knows you personally. Okay? He knew that John and Vicky this morning were going to wear pink t-shirts. And I'm not kidding. I know that's a silly, silly example, but nothing, and, and that doesn't take away our freedom of choice at all. But God is beyond understanding of the human mind of time and space. He is the source of life and he is light. We're going to talk about faith in the transfiguration here in a moment. So if you'll turn with me now to second, um, excuse me, first Peter, the second chapter. Again, as these letters were written, they weren't given titles to the paragraphs, but mine, just for sake of uh, the sermon, says this, a living stone and a holy people. Kind of gives you an idea of what you're going to read and gives you that idea to be thinking about the next few words if you have a hard time grasping the concept on your own. So chapter 2 of 1 Peter, verse 1, says this, So, put away all malice and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. And if you remember, last week we were in Second Peter, which is, this letter was written first, but his second letter basically said the same thing. Talk about virtue, and brotherly love, and steadfastness. And he says, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to continue to remind you to pursue those characteristics in your life because the world in which we live doesn't want you to pursue them. It's much easier to die than it is to live. And by that I mean in a spiritual sense. It's really easy to give up and say, I'm not getting up this morning. It's a lot harder to say, by golly, I am going to get up and I'm going to live a good life and I'm going to be kind to people, and I'm going to love people, even if they don't love me. It's a decision. So, put away all that malice. Put away all that seat, that hypocrisy. He says, rather, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. In other words, at one time, folks, even if you're down in the depths of Hades right now with whatever you're going through, at one time you tasted the goodness of the Lord. He says, go back to that. You ever have a favorite food or go to a restaurant or you just, I don't know about you, but when I taste something that tastes really, really good, a big old smile. I don't even, I, I don't try to, I don't, I don't expect it. Just a smile comes to my face. I cannot hide if food tastes bad. So if my wife cooks me something and my face doesn't light up, she's like, it's not very good, is it? Listen, 
When you taste of the Lord, your face lights up, your countenance changes. Remember that. But it's not always good in the world. But God is. Have faith. Stand strong. Verse 4. Listen to this. I love this. And as you have come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. He's talking to you. He's talking to people who have given their lives to Jesus. He says, as you come to him, who? Jesus. So as you come to Jesus, it says, a living stone, talking about you being a living stone, It says, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. A silly example, but we're beginning to see more and more of it. I begin to experience it, and this is not any way near the kind of persecution that Paul or many other pastors have been through or many other people have been through, but on a spiritual sense, I'm getting emails, I'm getting contacts whether they're real or not that says talking about christianity and posting them is hate speech who would have ever thought that five six seven years ago it's only going to get worse and it doesn't bother me but it's an example of some people would take that and go huh the world doesn't like me i'm gonna give up well boo-hoo got news for you god says guess what you're a living stone and people are going to reject you. Be prepared for that. People are going to reject the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we stop telling it. Doesn't mean we stop trying. We, we can't do Thursday nights because of health reasons and school regulations and liability and all other kinds of reasons. But it doesn't mean we don't Pray for those children. Doesn't mean we don't reach out to those children. Doesn't mean we don't reach out to those families. Continue to have them consistently in our prayer lives, especially on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock. If you come across one of these kids and they need ministry, let's minister to them. And something may change in the next couple of months because a lot can happen in 30 days. And all of a sudden we're back in the ministry on Thursday nights. I don't know. But we continue to pray for it. We don't give up. We don't say, well, that's it. It's never going to happen again. And I'm using that as an example of anything in your life that, you know, time does heal some things and and things do change very quickly. So, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You're chosen. You are precious in the sight of God, regardless of what your neighbor might say. You yourselves, it says, like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. For it it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So in that context, we're talking about Jesus. 
In the first paragraph, we're talking about you. Well, it sounds like the same, doesn't it? Exactly. Now, let's go back to what I first read. Now that you know that Jesus is the cornerstone that was chosen and precious, and it says whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So then he says to you, God has chosen you, and you are precious, and you yourselves are like a stone, and are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer uh, spiritual sacrifices. See, back in the Old Testament days, the priest had to go into the temple and represent you to God. Okay? So the priest had to go into the temple and represent you to God, and then he would make sacrifices with the animals and they were bloody and gory and smelly and burnt offerings and he would make a sacrifice on behalf of you. Back in the Old Testament though it's prophesied and this is from 1 Peter Behold I am laying in Zion a stone a cornerstone chosen and precious and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. When you gave your life to Christ, you no longer needed to go to another man or another woman to represent you in the eyes of God. You and I have become the holy temple. When the Jesus Christ saved you, the Holy Spirit came and resides in you and you become a holy temple. We are the temple of God. We also are called priests. Holy. We're saints. And... We become the sacrifice. And that's the part people forget. I'm a Christian. God loves me. I'm seen as saved. I am saved. I'm on my way to salvation. I'm working out my salvation. I'm living a great life. Things are going well. And then they forget the part about sacrifice. Sacrifice is painful. It's not a pretty process. And it can hurt. And it's hard. So when we got Jesus, he became our mediator. We could go directly to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Lord. Again, don't have to go through a priest, don't have to a pastor, don't have to a mom or a dad or a kid. Go to God directly yourself, recognizing that you are now seen as a priestly figure. You're seen as holy in the eyes of God, as precious in the eyes of God. But don't forget that part of the service in the temple and as being a priest is offering sacrifice. There is a portion of our lives that's not always pleasant. We've left out that sacrificial attitude in our spiritual walk. We, we, we want and want and want, and, and I get it. But we need to be saying, what can I do? What can I offer? It is oftentimes painful to forgive somebody. It's oftentimes painful to move on. It's oftentimes very painful in a lot of respects to understand why God has allowed certain things to happen in my life. And instead of becoming better, we become bitter. And we begin to walk away from God instead of walking toward God. 
And unfortunately, the way this life works is even though we may be a saved, born-again Christian, loved by God, valued by Him, the further we walk from Him because of our choice, the harder it is to come back into a good relationship with Him. That doesn't mean that you're not a child of God. That just means you're not walking a sacrificial kind of lifestyle. You're not, bur- you're not carrying your cross every day. The Bible tells us to carry that cross. You know, uh, carrying that cross was heavy. It's hard on the body, it's hard on the bones, it's hard on the skin, it's hard on the muscles. And sometimes in our lives, fellow Christians, it is just flat out hard. And, and, and life is hard and God is good. God is always good. We live, in a, we live in a fallen world. And I want you to have hope. And that's what Peter continues here. He says, uh, even though... They reject you sometimes. I want you to understand something. They rejected Jesus. They rejected Jesus. And listen to this. So, the honor, and this is verse 7 of chapter 2, the honor is for you who believe. It's an honor. When someone challenges your faith, Consider that an honor. How do you believe in a God? Can't you see what's going on in the world? How do you have any joy in your heart? How can you continue desiring to go to church? How do you continue to pray and read your Bible? Because I believe and I accept by faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And He died on a cross for me. He was buried, and three days later, he was resurrected. Now listen to the rest of this sermon, because that part is very, very important. Okay? But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected, Jesus, has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, You see, Jesus is still a stumbling block to this day in in, uh, modern Israel. There really aren't that many born-again Christians that actually live in Israel. Very, very low percentage are still Orthodox Jews waiting for Jesus to come back. Is Israel important? Absolutely it is. And we're to pray for them, we're to protect them, and they are the... The, the center of our gospel, the Jewish people are chosen. We need to acknowledge that. But recognize that many Jews are lost. They have rejected the cornerstone. They have rejected Jesus. And if they have rejected Jesus and you proclaim Jesus, guess what? They're going to reject you. But not all will. Some will come. That's why we preach the word. That's why we give testimony. That's why we live the lives that we live in a style that is worthy of the calling that we have been given. The last half of verse 8 in chapter 2 says this, they stumble because they disobey the word. And listen to this. They stumble because they disobeyed the word. Listen to this. As they were destined to do so. That's why I read to you the very first Uh, verse in chapter 1. God is supreme. 
God is in control. God foreknew everything. God has planned everything. Nothing catches him by surprise. He is, and this is the word I use all the time, and this is what maybe will be in my tombstone. God is sovereign. Things only happen if God allows them to happen. We can question all day why some things happen. I don't know. I'm only human. I can't give you an answer. But I can tell you that God loves you and He loves all His creation and that for His creation who have given their lives to His Son will spend eternity with God the Father. Those who choose to reject the Son will spend eternity away from the Father. Jesus talks about hell more than anybody else in all of Scripture. Yet we don't preach it in the pulpit because it's offensive. There is a place for those who do not concede that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We're given the opportunity now. We're appointed to die once and then be judged. There will be no opportunity after your death to say, you know what? I wondered about that Jesus fella. And there he is. You see, everybody who has gone from this life to the next, they know for sure the truth of the Bible. Then it's too late to make the choice. If you will, this is a test. It's a testing grounds. You're being purified in your faith. Elsewhere in the first letter of Peter, he talks about believers who have not seen Jesus yet have received him. How blessed they are. He goes on. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. Talking about you. People laugh at this. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. There it is. I think we talk about darkness and light the last couple of weeks as well. God is the very definition of light. We talked about the glory of God and it's purposely very difficult to define what the glory of God is as Moses went up on the mountain and the tail end of God came by him. He coveted himself in the cleft of the rock so as not to be killed. And when he came down off the mountain, his face shone. It had to be covered for days because the glory of God was upon him. You can't be in the presence of the glory of God and have any trace of sin in your life and live. That's the physiological, biological reality. Science, science is important today, right? Science, got to follow the science. This is scientific. You can't be in the presence of the glory of God and live unless you're protected by the holiness of Jesus Christ, His Son. And faith in Him. If you live your life putting faith in yourself, you're going to get to the end of the road and you're going to realize you made a fatal mistake. You thought you were on the right track and you were going the wrong direction. It's not by your power, but it's by the power of the cross 
All of the glory goes to Jesus Christ, not to you. You have to accept it. You have to understand that your salvation is not contingent upon you. It's contingent upon your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Keyword, alone. I've known people who have gone to church their entire lives, served as deacons, served as pastors, but never gave their lives to Christ because they thought they were doing the right thing. And the right thing to do is to give your life freely and willingly and openly and humbly to Jesus, recognizing you are a sinner. And folks, when you give your life to Him, you become a new creation. You become born again. But I promise you this, we're still very, very capable of sinning. This is what Peter talks about a lot in his letters. Though you're able to sin, please choose not to. For the glory of God. To perhaps, maybe, participate in the bringing of somebody else to salvation. We are to tell others about Jesus and it will be offensive. And there's no way. There's no way to make it less offensive. And unfortunately we live in a world where. It's becoming more and more politically incorrect. To even suggest that Jesus is the only way. And again I'd rather tell the truth. And have people be offended. And have the opportunity for healing. Than lie to them to make them feel good. And they go to hell. We've lost a lot of that zeal for evangelism. It is hard. Not, uh, not like it used to be. They had their own challenges in the day. We have our challenges. To, we have legal challenges today as well. We have challenges with work. We have challenges with peer. We have all kinds of regulations in place about freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And, and I understand it and I respect that. But just because something is legal doesn't mean it's right. Just because we are to respect all religions, and rightly so, uh, respect all religions, doesn't mean they're right. Okay? Understand that. The generation coming up through college now thinks that because there's a law in place or because the majority of people say so, then maybe I should follow that. I'm going to tell you something. What you need to follow is the truth. The truth shall set you free. And there is truth. There is an absolute truth. Friends, before I leave here today, you need to make a choice. What is the absolute truth? Is it what you think it is? Or how you feel on any particular given day? Or is the truth found in God's Word? Holy inspired, written by men, through the Holy Spirit, every dot, every I, every T that's crossed, every word, written by God. The harmony of the Gospels. We didn't get to the transfiguration today, so what's exciting about that is I don't have to prepare a sermon for next week. I'm just teasing you. We'll talk about the transfiguration next Sunday. The Holy Spirit was leading this morning, so I didn't even get to where I was needing to be, but I think that... Uh, that was uh, and some important things that we need to hear. So thank you for bearing with me. And uh, 
with God this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this glorious day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Lord, thank you for the world in which we live and all that you have provided for us in which we are not deserving. Your grace, your patience is amazing. Thank you for another day of life, Lord God. Thank you for where we live. Thank you for America. Thank you for other countries, Lord. I just ask for your protection upon us now as we approach the election time. And Lord, calm the, the communities around us. May we all love one another in a brotherly love rather than argue and bicker and cause hatred and discontent, Lord God. We love you and help us to be a rock, Lord. Help us to follow your example in the cornerstone of your son, Jesus Christ. We are not Christ, but we are to behave in a Christ-like manner as we are sanctified in your spirit through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his glorious name we pray and the congregation says, Amen. Amen.